Hey, welcome. My name is Glenn Lundy. Super excited to be launching our new Breakfast with Champions podcast. Can you believe it? That's right. The Breakfast with Champions podcast has finally arrived. This is your opportunity to get motivation, education, and inspiration every single day. And ultimately, your opportunity to get a seat at the table, to be a fly on the wall, to listen in to some conversations between some of the most amazing superhumans from around the planet. We're talking about people that are doing the things you know you can do, that have reached some of those levels you know you can reach. We've got celebrity interviews with people like Tiffany Haddish and Grant Cardone, Lauren Rittiger. We've got specialists in areas like Capital Ventures, right? Or wealth building, wealth management, real estate, all kinds of incredible conversations. And what's amazing about the Breakfast with Champions podcast is you're going to be able to tune in, listen in. They won't even know you're there, right? It's just like you're, you're, you're listening in on all these incredible secrets of some of the most successful humans from all around the world. You know, when we launched Breakfast with Champions, we had no idea of the power that it was gonna have. We had no idea of the collaborations it would create. We had no idea that we'd be able to connect humans from England and Australia and Saigon and America, of course, all together in one room having powerful conversations that elevate everyone in the experience. Listen, if you like these episodes of Breakfast with Champions, do me a huge favor and let us know. We would greatly appreciate it. We pour into this. You're going to get five to six hours of content every single day, Monday through Friday, five days a week. You can keep coming back. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast. We'd appreciate it. Drop your comments, share your thoughts and your reviews. It mean the world to us if you would do that. And in exchange, we promise you that we will always create a space, a safe space where you can come. You're not going to get politics here. It's not going to happen. You'll never see any type of division in here. It's actually exactly the opposite. We have a bunch of different people with different belief systems, different upbringing, different backgrounds. We've got people from all different ethnicities all coming together. But the one thing that we share is everyone in this room shares the same heart. And it is a heart to elevate you, to encourage you, to inspire you, and to help you become the absolute best version of yourself that you can possibly be. So if you would, do us a favor, write those reviews, subscribe to the podcast, tell your friends. We're going to be here, and we hope that you will be too. Enjoy Breakfast with Champions. You'll see there in the notes that you can skip forward. You can move back. If you need to pause it for a minute, you'll now have that opportunity to do so. We do record these daily on Clubhouse. We have a Breakfast with Champions Club there, or you can follow me, Glenn Lundy, if you'd like to see those rooms, if that's an app that you enjoy. You can always come in and tune in live, or of course, just sit back and enjoy right here on the podcast and anywhere your podcast can be found. It is such an honor and a privilege to be able to spend this time with you. I know that there are a trillion places you could have chose to be. You chose to be right here with us on Breakfast with Champions, and that means the world to me, and I absolutely stinking love you for it. So with that said, we are excited to launch the new Breakfast with Champions podcast. Thanks so much. Dr. Janie Lacey, and I'm going to continue the conversation, you know, as we're talking about how to break through generational bar barriers 
I want to focus on breaking through the chains of generational trauma, but specifically on one topic under generational trauma that applies to all of us and to bring us into an awareness because we don't have to pass down everything we inherit. <laughs> you know, oftentimes, especially in the, the counseling realm, I hear people more times than not say, well, my dad was this, or my mom was this, or it's part of our generational, you know, so there are good things that we can claim. But if we're also going to take time to claim our good inheritance that we get down from our family, we also have to look at the other side, because that is how truly we break through the barriers and that we don't have what we call carry trauma that we can bring into our life as well as our children's life and through our experiences. And it's not necessarily that we're seeing anything wrong with our family line or it's we're acknowledging that we are here to do better and that we're here to continue to grow and to learn and to do things with the tools and the skills and stuff that we have and the education that we have that perhaps the family and the line before us didn't have because sometimes it's very difficult and I experience it oftentimes just through um, counseling and, and psychology practices that sometimes people have a hard time looking back at their family history because they feel like they're being disloyal. And I always use the example of when I stayed in um, uh, Italy for a month, you know, there's so many things I'm looking at, like these ruins, and I'm like, what is this about? that bought these little books to be able to look back and to see what was standing there before. So I understand the history of the ruins or the pile of ruins that, that I'm looking at. And the same thing applies to us as we look at transgenerational trauma. But I want to give you some context because we probably hear that term and sometimes we may not necessarily know what it means. So I want to share with you a little bit about that before I go into my main point. And then I want to open it up and hear from you and how you've broken through generational barriers or how you are carrying forward and creating uh, better with all the tools and education that you have today that perhaps your ancestors or the people before you may not have had. But when we think about transgenerational trauma in particular, what I'm referring to is a type of trauma that does not end with the people before us, right? It's something that lingers through one generation to the next. And going back to what if he was sharing with us this morning, sometimes it's subtle and it's persistent and it's not something that we can necessarily see. And that's why it gets missed. And that's why I want to focus on that. You know, this can be with our families that we have history of unresolved trauma and that sometimes that can be with race or that can be with different cultures or it can be with different unresolved trauma or mental health illness such as depression or anxiety and addictions that have passed down through our family line. And then what happens is it continues to pass through the generations currently through what we call maladaptive coping strategies. I mean, you may not necessarily be an alcoholic like your family was down the line, but you can have the coping strategies that were passed on to you. And, you know, we heard this, we hear this term all the time, like a dry drunk, right? There's a reason for that, that term, but we can also have distrustful views of life and that's on to our future generations, the stories and the things that are passed down and that we continue to tell in our families can also impact how we move in this world. Because this is exactly how we repeat the same patterns and the attitudes of former generations, regardless of whether they were healthy or not. So I want you to just take a little trip with me in your own life and think about these subtle ways that potentially have come down the line to you or perhaps your parents. And you've heard these stories, how they've affected your outlook 
especially when we're looking at transgenerational trauma, because it's, I mean, the fact is it's not something that's easily easy to, to pinpoint. It's often something that's really covert and it's usually undefined and, and subtle. It's like that current, you know, passing the, the tree. But it surfaces through what we look at, and there's a tool that we use in psychology called genogram. And the genogram is to map out people's family history. Literally, we take out a piece of paper and we're drawing out a map using different symbols and things that we were taught to be able to identify patterns or unresolved trauma in people's family by understanding their family history because it does surface through family patterns. And sometimes it's forms of like hypervigilance. You know, sometimes that can be from race or culture and there's mistrust and there's anxiety and there's depression and there's issues with self-esteem and other, what we would consider negative coping strategies that are passed down to us. Because we also know that trauma can have a significant effect and think about this for a minute on our immune system or other chronic illnesses. And this is why when you go to your, I know for me, I'm sure it's the same for everyone else. When we go to our yearly physical examination, they want to know about our family medical condition, our family medical history. We have to check the boxes if there was heart disease or, you know, if there's some type of certain medical conditions in our family. They're collecting all of that information because they want to know what are we at high risk of? I mean, what are the things that we know are passed down from a medical standpoint? So the same thing happens from an emotional standpoint, but sometimes it's less subtle and it's something that sometimes we don't pay attention to. But we can probably all watch movies where if we stand back and we think about it, where we hear it, oh, well, his dad was angry or, you know, his dad was an alcoholic. So that's why he struggles with this. I mean, we've all heard those types of things, but if we pay attention to it in our own family, what are the stories that are passed down to us? And then the narratives that we take on that can be a barrier to us truly walking out the dream and the life that we want to live. Because it's important that we have to be clear that trauma is transmitted from one generation to the next. You know, we can think about other examples to give you just to put it in perspective, like trauma, like poverty and compromised parenting right? and, and diminished attachment where going down the line, People are just not attached to each other, but yes, they coexist with each other and they may be successful even by society standards, but they don't feel emotionally seen. Or what about even just chronic stress? We know that that's passed down from generation to generation, as well as unstable living environments, which do impact our children and their development or impacted us. Think about the environments that you grew up in, and especially most of us now as adults, we can have compassion for our family or our parents and we can understand why we went through certain things because they were in survival mode or they had their own conditions, but it still doesn't take away our experiences as youngsters, the things that were imprinted on us, unless we acknowledge them and then we start walking forward very differently. So if you are in therapy or you're in some type of um, psychological uh, services, you know, there is that tool if that's something that you want to look at with your therapist and it's just called a genogram and that's something how they can help you map out your, 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 um, your family's history to things that may, you may be uh, sensitive or susceptible to that may not even be aware of, so to speak. And then there's also a book resource that I always like to mention when during this topic, but it's called, it didn't start with you, how inherited family trauma shapes who we are and how to end the cycle. It didn't start with you is the name of the book. Because one of the very subtle ways 
or specific ways, I should say, that comes through subtle ways that can be transcended from one generation to the next. And this is what I want to focus on because this applies to all of us is when we've had emotionally immature parents and how they've affected their adult children's lives. And one of the monthly books that I'm reading or that we've read in my Women Redeemed community is a book exactly with that title. It's called Adult Children of Emotionally Immature Parents and How to Heal from Distant, Rejecting, or Self-Involved Parents. And that can be from our parents' parents or that could be from us now looking at our parents. Because many times people that have been progressive and moving forward in their life, they actually surpassed their parents' emotional intelligence, their emotional capacity. And sometimes it's even hard to acknowledge that, but it's important so that we don't pass that down, especially to our children or those that we have influence over. But I really appreciate the book and her, the author's work, when she looks at what happens when immature parents lack the emotional responsiveness that's necessary to meet their children's emotional needs. And what happens is this word called emotional neglect. And this is the subtle and the persistent stuff that can happen that is not necessarily recognizable or well-known to be seen as other larger traumas that may have occurred in um, children's lives is the emotional neglect part of it. And think about your own history as you're going down your own memory lane so that you can become aware so that you can continue to be progressive in your life. But emotional neglect in particular, in childhood, it leads to painful emotional loneliness. And that's one of the ways that we can see it in adulthood is emotional loneliness. And sometimes people don't have the words or the understanding of that's what they're really feeling. They can be around, you know, their partners or their family or have a lot of friends, but yet they still feel alone in a room full of a lot of people. And that loneliness can truly have a long-term negative impact in particular on a person's choices regarding relationships and intimate partners, especially around emotional closeness. As many times I'm sitting with couples and, you know, he or she is, you know, giving me some narrative about the other partner. And I always feel like she's busy or always feel like she pushes me away when I go to touch her. You know, it's always this, it's always that. All right. So sometimes in the, my little invisible sticky note in my head, I'm wondering like what's happening there's usually two things. There's something in the couple's dynamic that creates a certain level of distrust and then um, barriers of busyness and barriers of all the other things to avoid emotional closeness with the partner. Or that was something she potentially, she or he works both ways, they, they bring into the relationship. But it's usually when they start getting close to their partner, the things that were there before that are unresolved start to come out. And especially someone who doesn't, who the very thing they want may be emotional closeness, but when they get it, they don't know how to handle it. And then- Hey listeners, if you enjoy listening to Breakfast with Champions, we can bet you care about your daily routine. Do you want to know the secret to the perfect routine? It's the perfect morning. Glenn has written a free ebook called The Morning Five, five simple steps to an extraordinary morning. If you can transform your morning, you can transform your life. Head on over to themorning5.com to learn more about the five ways you can change the way you start your day. And they go back to the familiar, and that's usually the emotional loneliness. And you may say, well, why would somebody want to go back to that? This is why it's, we're unaware, and we bring it to the surface. Because if we go back in particular to talking about emotional, uh, immature parents, 
right? And this is a general statement. Every family and every person is different. But from a general standpoint, when we have emotionally immature parents, they fear genuine emotion. And they pull back from emotional closeness. And they use, you know, what we would call coping mechanisms that resist reality rather than dealing with it. And I know, <laughs> I know I'm not the only one that has people like that in my family. I call them the good news junkie in my family. It's like, you only can bring the good news. If there's anything that may make them feel uncomfortable or difficult, they're going to get defensive or they're going to make it seem like there's something wrong with you. <laughs> so you got to know who you're dealing with um, so that you know how to approach. And that's part of something we're, I'm going to share with you before I open it up. And that's the antidote uh, to, to some of this. But what happens is they don't reflect or they don't even welcome self-reflection. So they rarely accept blame or apologize. Think about the person in your own family. Well, hopefully it's not you. <laughs> well, it's hard for them to accept blame or to apologize or to own their stuff. Uh, and sometimes that's all people want. It's not that they want you to go back and change what has happened between the two of you. And I'm just using sometimes this heterosexual couple language because that's primarily who I work with as far as couples. It's not that they want you to go back and change what you've done to them. They just want you to acknowledge your junk. They just want you to acknowledge, you know, the, the harm and the stuff that you've brought to the relationship that's affected them. Because what happens is the person who can't is their immaturity makes them inconsistent and emotionally unreliable. And they're blind to even their children's needs once their own agenda comes to play. And we know through research and without a doubt through, through successful coupleship, and I'm not talking about, you know, with our culture of just celebrating longevity. I'm talking about couples that are successful. That means in the relationship, they are meeting an 80% satisfaction, true satisfaction rate. Reliability and consistency is throughout that relationship. And if you're dealing with someone who's immature, they're going to be unreliable and they're going to be inconsistent because they're operating from their own agenda. So reliability and consistency is key to having a healthy, successful relationship from both parties. Because when we think about, for many people, knowing the difference in emotional maturity gives us a way of understanding why you can feel so emotionally lonely despite other people's claim of love. So part of understanding emotional or people, I'll just say people in your life, their emotional immaturity, it can free us from emotional loneliness. And as we recognize their neglect, we'll know that it wasn't about us. It's really about them. And when we get to a place of healing and we get to a place of just being able to break through the barriers because we understand we're aware, we understand where we were hurt and harmed at so that we can heal, we understand that it wasn't our fault. And I'm talking about from a child perspective, it wasn't our fault. And that most of the time, depending on, again, making general statements, depending on what was passed down to us, it was about them. It was about our parents, about the generation before us. And when we can recognize that and we can see why, in particular, if our parents are still alive, um, they can't be different. We can finally be free of our frustration with them. Because I know sometimes, um, in particular with my mom, I want her to be able to grow past the things that she can just see right in front of her. But it could be very frustrating because it has to be something that she has to become aware of and I can't do it for her. So we have to accept our family for who they are. And that can put us in a position where we know how to move and deal with them accordingly because we can finally be free 
I mean, truly, we can finally think about it. We can finally be free of our frustration with, with them or the generations above us, as well as our own doubts about our own lovability, which is the, the, the when we kind of dig the stuff up. I mean, sometimes that's what's at issue. Even if we know that, you know, my parents loved us, they did the best they can. But deep down inside, that little boy, that little girl still can feel unlovable. And then you project that onto your romantic relationships and you try to perform and audition to get that person to love you and to get that person to see you. And sometimes that's from the wounds of the past that you have yet to heal. Because this is why we're all in this room, right? In particular, this morning, I'm focused on the educational piece. But when we focus on our own self-development, which is why there's so many coaches or you know therapists or just people in this space that want to learn, we can get on the road to freedom from any of the stuff or the barriers that are holding us back, or in particular, from emotionally immature relationships that we were born into. Because it'll also help us, and this is the key, it'll help us change any of our own self-defeating interpersonal behaviors that become common, especially if we were potentially raised or had people in our family that were immature. And then now we're an adult child of an immature parent. Because when we have and establish all the things that we're learning at the breakfast table or all the other areas in our self-development, we can, we can grasp onto these new approaches. And then we can move into relationships differently. And then emotional, and I do say emotional loneliness can be a thing of the past. Because there's many couples that I'm sitting with and they can be in, this, in the same bed at night and they feel yet so disconnected. Or he's looking at her or she's looking at him and silently thinking, I don't even know you. Or, you know, I just want to reach out and touch you, but I'm afraid to because you may reject me. Right? All that stuff that just gets stored up in our mind and then people just learn to be loyal to dysfunction and they then get celebrated for longevity versus being successful in their emotional connection in the relationship and what they can be passing down to the generations that they're raising. So coming in for the landing and then I want to open it up. It's important for us all, and this is this is where we can change and break through the barriers from an emotional standpoint. And it starts with us. But it's important for us to, to know what the signs of emotional immaturity are, right? So because if we come from that type of system and world, and we're going to not only act that out in our workplace, but in our personal relationships as well. And there's many signs of emotional immaturity, but it's uh, also important that we understand that if this has been part of the generational stuff that's been passed down to us, it's why we often feel felt alone. And felt different. And I'm not necessarily saying in a good way because we, we, our uniqueness and all our experiences is what makes us. But when you're growing up and you're figuring out and you're finding your way, when you feel alone, I mean, it can feel really emotionally painful. So this is why we all need, or it makes sense why in particular, making a general statement to all of us, why we attempt to connect with emotionally immature people. I mean, I see it every single day where someone's trying to convince someone else to see things their way and the other person is just defensive, they're reactive, right? And they're just immature where they can't hear the feedback from someone that they say that they love, but yet the other person who's trying to give them the feedback continues to try over and over again, right? So sometimes the core, there's many factors, but sometimes the core is that person feels so emotionally alone that if I can just get him to see it or I can just get her to understand it, the very person that's hurting you is the very person that you think is going to help heal your pain. All right. And that's a whole nother talk called trauma bond. <laughs> but 
when we learn to manage that overdeveloped empathy, because what happens is sometimes I hear it here on at the breakfast table, people refer to themselves as an empath or highly sensitive person. But from the psychology standpoint, we look at this overdeveloped empathy that, that has occurred based off of their experiences um, in their history that can lead them to being emotionally, and I do say emotionally hostage to manipulative and non-reciprocal people. Like if you have one-sided relationships, I mean, it's going to keep you feeling stuck and it's time to break that chain. It's trying to break that barrier because what happens and we can understand the why. We understand why we do the things that we do and then how we can change it and then break through those barriers and have a different emotional passage that we're passing on to generations before that are coming after us. Because when we can recognize people who are capable of genuine emotional intimacy and satisfying communication. So think about your own life. Are you around people who you can have genuine emotional intimacy with and satisfying communication? Or are you in one-sided relationships and you're still trying to get someone's approval that subconsciously is that mom or that dad that you never felt like really loved you or you were always trying to get their attention? That's how we pass that stuff down in our current relationship is we're reenacting, we're reenacting our unfinished business is what we call it. And that's why the past can repeat itself. You know, there's some work from John Bowlby, which you may have heard of his name. Uh, he has he talks about the most primitive parts of our brain tell us that safety lies in familiarity. That's why we can look at the most educated, most successful people, and they could be a public success, but they are a private mess, right? There's familiarity in dysfunctional relationships. There's familiarity in abusive relationships. There's familiarity in overperforming and being an adult while you're with an immature partner and you're doing all the things because we'll gravitate to these situations that we have experience with. Well, I know that makes us cringe when you think about it, but we'll gravitate to experiences that are familiar with and that we have experience. If we're used to dysfunctional relationships, unless we really become aware and we do the work, we're going to gravitate to those same types of relationships because it's familiar and we know how to deal with them. <laughs> Even after dysfunction, I'm laughing because I'm saying, and I know some of you are cringing, but this is the stuff that we need to know in order to break through the barriers. Because as children, we didn't recognize our parents' limitations because seeing our parents as immature or flawed or as frightening. And unfortunately, by denying those painful truths about our parents or the generations before us, we aren't able to recognize similarly hurtful people in future relationships. And that's why it matters. Denial makes us repeat the same situation over and over because we never see it coming the next time. Let me say that again, because somebody needs to wake up and hear that. Denial makes us repeat the same situation over and over because we never see it coming the next time. And in My Woman Redeemed, especially if there's been a history of dysfunctional relationships, not necessarily always romantic, it could be work. They're like, you know, man, I didn't see that one coming. And it's the same thing that I've dealt with in the past, Dr. Janie. So let me define a maturity for you real quick. And I want to hear some of your shares um, in the last few minutes. When we think about emotional mature people, this means they're capable of thinking objectively and they're able to have deep emotional connections. And people who are emotionally mature can function independently while also having deep emotional attachments. They can incorporate that in their daily life. They can be independent, but they can also be dependent. That's what we call interdependent. They are direct about pursuing what they want. 
and they can do so without exploiting other people. And that's the key. They don't exploit other people to get what they want. They're not stepping on your head and your back and your shoulders and using you to get what they want because they can distinguish themselves from their original family relationships to be able to build a life of their own. And they have a well-developed sense of self. They're comfortable and they're honest about their feelings. They get along well with other people. And they have well-developed empathy and impulse control and emotional intelligence. They're interested in other people's inner lives and they enjoy opening up and sharing with others in an emotionally intimate way. And this is key, when there's a problem, they deal with others directly and smoothly out differences. They're not calling TM and saying, you know what, guess what, Iffy did, blah, blah, blah. No, they're calling Iffy. That's what maturity is about. And they deal with stress in realistic, forward-looking ways while consciously processing their thoughts and their feelings. And they can control their emotions. They have emotional control. <laughs> and they can anticipate the future and adapt to reality. And they can use empathy and humor to ease different situations and strengthen their bonds with others. And they can enjoy being objective and know themselves well enough to admit their weaknesses. They own their stuff. And that, my friend, is how to break through generational emotional barriers. So I would love to hear, you know, we have three minutes left. I'd love to hear at least from uh, two of you, your thoughts on how you are mindful of your mental and emotional intelligence to keep moving through barriers so that you're changing generations in your own family line. So would love to, to hear from a few of you. So if you want to flash your mic, we'll start with Mary Lynn, since that's the first person I see. So love to hear from you, Mary Lynn. Oh, good morning. I'll be mindful of the time. I just wanted to say that was amazing. You know, I always say I'm breaking generational curses, but um, being raised by a very immature family, um, I think I really made it quite the effort to do some of the opposite stuff with my son. But I know that I wasn't um, very mature in my uh, early 30s with him. So I wondered if I should get the book for him. <laughs> Maybe I need to read the book and he needs to read the book. I highly recommend you getting the book first. Um, the author is Lindsay um, Gibson. We're, we read it last month in the Women Redeemed community. It's called Adult Children of Emotionally Immature Parents, How to Heal from Distant, Rejecting, or Self-Involved Parents. And it's actually a quick book. I think it's probably under um, 200 pages. I was going to try to pull it out. But it's a really good book. And, you know, sometimes it's not as known, the things that are known as we think they are. It's more of those subtle things. So I suggest you read it. And then if you if your son reads it with you, then you can have an open conversation with him. And that's, that's truly, to me, right there. You're breaking through whatever was passed down. Or sometimes I see younger parents that when they were like, oh, man, when I was raising my kids in my early 20s, I wish I would have known what I know now in my 40s, right? Because then you're still trying to figure out yourself and then you're worried. But I think the first part, and you are an example for us, Marilyn, to be able to have these conversations with your adult son, uh, own your stuff, because that's maturity is being able to own your stuff. I didn't know what I didn't know, but I know that I've affected you. And, you know, I want to be able to be part of your healing journey in whatever way I can and inviting him on that journey. I mean, that's, that's huge. So I think, thank you for sharing that. So both of you get the book. <laughs> Woohoo! Thank you. All right. And I see a uh, Claire flashing. So we will go with Claire and then we'll probably end with you. Hi, Claire. Hi. Hello, everyone in the room. Um, what, what an amazing topic. I just want to say thank you to everyone for your share so far. They've been amazing. Um, yes, generational trauma, breaking it. I've been doing this now for, oh, five years or so. 
um, after having my own traumatic experience and all these wounds came out of nowhere and I was like, what is going on? Um, I had a mini breakdown and I had to leave my family in order to heal. I had to because I needed to know who I was outside of them. Um, I didn't know who I was and I didn't know who they were either because my reality had completely shattered. So I had to go through the stages of denial, acceptance, grieving myself as well and grieving my family who were still alive. Um, and that was tough, tough work. It was so tough. Um, but, but over time, I allowed all of that to happen, but I still had to interact with other, with other people, which brought my defense mechanisms back up. And that's when I realized that there were patterns that had been passed down and these cycles that come, ar come around are just opportunities for us to, to continue dissolving the patterns that are within us. Now, sometimes it's not, um, it's not easy to go back into your family line in the early stages because your emotions are so high and defense mechanisms are so tough. So we do often have to go into isolation so we can actually um, get a clear picture so I've been doing this work for a long time now, so it's um it's quite easy for me. And I help my children through, you know, just daily things. For example, just a few days ago, I was doing my 12 year old daughter's hair and she said, and I told her to turn around and she said, mum, were you, were you telling me off? And I said, no, why? And she said, oh, I thought you were telling me off. And I said, did that make you feel nervous? And she said, yes. And I said, okay, do you know what triggers are? And she said, yeah. And I said, that was a trigger. So now if I tell you to, if I ask you to turn around again, ask yourself, is mum telling me off or is she asking me to do something that isn't, you know, nothing's happening to me. Um, and if you realize that I'm not telling you off, breathe through it because this is how you dissolve. So I, I speak to my children about these things now because I've done that work within myself. They are my mirrors. So they are, they are helping me to continue healing. And when I see these things come up in them, I help them to reframe them into what is actually happening. You know, no gaslighting or anything like that, but you know, in real time, because children, um, you know, we can say things to children and sometimes they, if we don't explain things to them, they'll go off and they will create their own narratives. And sometimes they're, they're things that can actually trap them for, their later life. So I'm Claire and I'm done speaking. Well, thank you so much, Claire, for, for sharing and for modeling, as well as Mary Lynn, what healthy parenting and open parenting looks like and bringing education and awareness to your children, you know, because we do know that triggers are historical and that's why there is an overreaction there. So to give them that education to help, because we do know that kids are not necessarily listening to what we say, they do what they see we do and that's the the sponge that they catch so thank you claire marilyn and everyone at the breakfast table this is dr janie lacy thank you for joining us on breakfast with champions if you want to catch the live version you can follow us on clubhouse and listen from 5 a.m to 11 a.m eastern time monday through friday saturday 6 to noon and sundays with our 111 sunday service make sure you're keeping up with breakfast with champions and getting yourself a seat at the table.